This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox. Today's podcast is going to feature some amazing female musicians. Seattle's Thunder Pussy will talk about their new EP called Milk It. Then Molly pointed out that our first EP was called Greatest Tits. Mary Lambert will talk about the tough personal themes on her new record. I talk about trauma. I talk about sexual assault and, and you know mental illness and heartbreak and falling in love and all of it. Alice Wongware will talk about her new music and how her mother's Chinese restaurant gave her hustle in the music industry. In my way, through my art. I am walking in her path and continuing her legacy. But first, Brittany Howard stopped by KEXP for an in-studio performance last week, and it was amazing. Frontwoman for Alabama Shakes is on tour promoting her first solo record. It's called Jamie. It's named after her sister who died when Brittany was eight from a rare form of eye cancer. Brittany Howard spoke with KEXP midday show DJ Cheryl Waters, and it was a big day for Cheryl. Cheryl announced on air that day that she had been diagnosed with tongue cancer. She'd recently taken some time off to get surgery on her tongue, and that's impacting her speech at the moment. It was a really great conversation and wonderful to see Brittany and Cheryl in the room together. This is a powerful record, and it feels incredibly personal. This is really just all you. You wrote this record, you play on the record, you produce the record. Can you talk a little bit about what this record means to you? I think for everybody, it's such a wonderful gift to be creative in general. And making this on my own, and making my own mistakes and not really deferring to anyone else what next note to put or what rhythm to use, um, that feels very fulfilling. And it means a lot to me. It's my baby in that respect. And I'm also telling my story on this record. And I think it's really cool when people connect to this because I understand that we must have something in common here. So it's been really beautiful going out with these guys and performing this music. You just said that you're telling your story, and you've named this record Jamie after your sister. And can you tell me what are some of the ways that your sister shaped the person that you are today? Yeah, I think um, when I was coming up, we didn't have, like, a lot of money and toys to play with. You know, we went outside and used our imaginations, which is pretty different, I think, than how kids live today. But there was a time when... um, Our our imaginations was the things that got us outside and that um, just informed who we are. And so my sister, she was always a leader. She always told me what games to play. And she taught me how to draw and taught me how to play music, what music to listen to. You know, she just introduced me to creativity in general. And so I felt like since this was my first step on my own, I wanted to devote it to her, even though the record's not about her. It's like we did it together, you know. And your sister's not with us anymore, but she sounds like she's always on your mind. 
Oh, yeah, always with me, really. Maybe not physically, but definitely spiritually, always with me. Let's talk a little bit about what this record sounds like, because I'm aware of at least three bands that you've been in in less than a decade, Alabama Shakes. Thunder Bitch. And Bermuda Triangle. And each of those bands has its own sound, its own life, and maybe shows different facets of who you are. And it makes me wonder how your experience in those bands shaped what you made here in this record. I think um, with Thunder Bitch, it had a lot to do with me releasing my power. I wanted to feel really powerful, and I also wanted to go incognito. I wanted to be someone else, and that's what Thunder Bitch was. And I feel like being that person allowed me to be powerful. And then with Bermuda Triangle, I feel like I was allowed to be more vulnerable because I had to focus more on songwriting and being stripped down and finding out how to get better at songwriting. And so I think all of that made me more courageous to do something on my own. Like, okay, I'm ready now. I think I can write my own songs and make my own parts and choose my own sounds and um, choose my own words. And um, that's what brought me here. What's one of the songs that just kind of jumps to mind or sticks with you that was kind of fun to produce on this record or brought you something unexpected? I think a song like Goathead, which is on my record, was really unexpected. It's a, it's a song about my mother and father and them having their relationship, which is an interracial relationship in Alabama in the early 80s and how hard that was for them and especially a certain incident that happened that my family doesn't talk about, and it always stayed with me. And so I wanted to talk about it, and I wanted to bring it to light. And so I think that was really unexpected. I didn't plan on singing about something like that when I went to the studio. about that for the first time on stage? Uh, the, you know, it's weird because people were dancing to it. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those songs. Like some, every once in a while you get a song that's real tragic and sad, but you just want to dance to it. You just played that song, Georgia, which um, was so wonderful. And I heard that at least the name of that was inspired by Georgia Ann Muldrew, who you're now on tour with. What is it like to come full circle um, and be on tour with her and singing that song? 
It's so wonderful. The whole song just started because I was reading an article and it was about Georgia Ann Mulder and how many different people she's worked with, how many different projects she's produced. And I thought, that's so cool. Everything she works on, I love. I wish she would notice me. That's how the song started. It was strictly just about Georgia Ann. She's my hero. Will you please? I wish you knew she ex- I existed. I wish you knew I existed. And then it turned into, once I sat down, I was like, oh, you know what there's not enough love songs about? Um, there's not en- enough gay R&B love songs, I've, at least that I know of. Maybe I don't know a lot of music, but I'm just saying. I wrote it because I never heard it, so it transformed. But now I'm on the road with Georgia Ann Muldrow. I'm learning so much. Like She's such an inspiration, and she's such a wonderful person to be around. And the shows are just so magnificent night after night. That must just feel so wonderful, and I bet you she's fangirling over you as well. It's mutual. We're yeah. sisters now, yeah. Nothing better than that. That was KEXP's Cheryl Waters speaking with Brittany Howard. Here was her KEXP in-studio performance of the song, Georgia. Thank you. 
This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Seattle's Thunder Pussy is out with a new EP. It's called Milk It. Guitarist Whitney Petty and singer Molly Size says that phrase was an inside joke for the band during the recording of this EP. You know, every few minutes or beat somebody trying to figure something out and asking a question and the answer would just be, you know what? Why don't you just milk it? Yeah. And um, then Molly pointed out that our first EP was called Greatest Tits. Thunder Pussy is known for their rock and roll sound and captivating live shows. Singer Molly Sides is usually seen on stage with an elaborate outfit that's usually accompanied with fishnets and tall boots while she dances and kicks her lean legs high into the air on stage. She has a sultriness and power to her stage presence that's captured in their seductive track, Never Know. Also featured on the EP is the track Powerhouse. This track actually features drummer Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Side says this song was inspired by her mom. But it's also inspired by women. Hardworking women who are persistent in pursuing their dreams, taking care of their families, the power within that we all carry. And when you're told no, and you push through. The song Trust a Man is about a man you can't trust and telling someone who seems to be falling in love with him that they are stronger than they know. Betty says Trust a Man was actually inspired by a spaghetti western movie she watched with sides. There's a scene in that, that film where there's a gentleman wearing a belt and suspenders. It's and it's really funny. Line. This is a line where the guy goes, how can you trust a man who can't trust his own pants? <laughs> he wears both be- a belt and suspenders. And so, I don't know, it, had no, it has nothing to do with, you know, it was just a funny line and it evolved into a song that has a lot more meaning. I think yeah. the last verse of the song kind of sums it up. It's really a song about two people that just are, are lost in the world and they're damaged and they're both damaged in different ways. But there's another track on the album that seems to deviate from Thunder Pussy's usual power rock sound. It's called On the Line. Figure the words Just make sense Once they fell and hit the 
Maddie, who grew up in the South and has roots in country music, says this is her favorite track on the EP. This song was like a little miracle. Yeah, it was, it was really was cool the way that it came together. I had written the guitar chords and the progression many, many years ago, back when I was just sort of traveling around with my guitar and a backpack, you know, as you do when you're young, young and fresh. This song was co-produced by Mike McCready, the lead guitarist of Pearl Jam. He worked with Thunderpussy on a few songs off their first full-length album. We, were, we went in there with the intention of recording one song. We ended up doing two, and we had so much fun that we had come back in, I think just Molly and I, to kind of wrap up a couple overdubs, and we had the rest of the day, and Mike was like, have anything else? Do something. <laughs> we're like, uh, okay. we don't have, oh, okay, when Mike McCready tells you to do something, you're just like, all right. So I just started playing that, and Molly started singing, and it just well, happened. We recorded it once. That's what it was, mm-hmm. and, and that's the that's a, really a fun thing about working with Mike because he never worries about parts and a formula, and he is so interested in the feeling of something. And if he feels like he's heard it, or if you feel like you've heard it, he's like, "We're done, move on," you know, yeah, leave it alone. I'll and, never forget him just laying there on the floor yeah, with, with his, his eyes closed, and just listening to us record it there live. Sides and Petty say they're currently working on their next full-length album, and they hope more of those songs will sound like this. I just love so, that song because, like of what you said, it does showcase another side of the band that's a really important side of Molly and I. We absolutely adore acoustic music, mm-hmm. and we love to strip things down. I think I'm hoping on our next yeah. record that we're currently writing that we will have more songs in that vein and continue to diversify our catalog and explore even deeper into Americana and, and our, my roots, which are in country. country and, and I love, you know, blues and jazz. And- Their next full-length album is expected to come out sometime in the new year. And while Thunder Pussy works on that, they're still waiting on a green light to federally trademark their name. They've been trying to trademark their name for four years now. They were caught up in a Supreme Court case this year that ultimately struck down a ban on trademarking words that are, quote, immoral or scandalous. That ruling came down in June. Petty says they still have to wait a few months until they hear more on whether or not they can trademark their name. Seriously, though, we're waiting until February for our case to be up for review. And, and then we're just going to wait forever. Yeah. Side says this has all been inspiration for their next full-length album. There's a song about Sally Mae. There's a song about trademark. We got, we got a lot of conversations happening on this next album. So, <laughs> In the meantime, you can check out Thunder Pussy's latest EP. It's called Milk It, and it's out now. Seattle's Mary Lambert released a new album this month. You might recognize her voice from her collaboration with Macklemore on his 2013 song about gay rights called Same Love. Mary Lambert talked with DJ Evie Cook on The Morning Show recently about the new record. Tell me about the album, your inspiration. Oh, it's What's just, up? it's absolutely devastating. It's, oh, called, it's, nice. called, um, it's called Grief Creature. Mm-hmm. So it's just a pop album. No, I'm just kidding. It's a, <laughs> it's 17 tracks. It's pretty autobiographical. It's very confessional and I produced it and it's kind of my life story. So in, in that way, it's very, um, 
I talk about trauma. I talk about sexual assault and, and, you know, mental illness and heartbreak and falling in love and all of it, you know, Mm -hmm. all of it being messy. And there's some through compositions of uh, quartets that I, that I've written throughout and spoken word pieces and it all kind of goes together. And it's, it's my life's work. It feels like my, my magnum opus. Am I just born sad, born sad, born sad, born sad, born sad, born sad. I think we talk about a lot here at KEXP about music healing and, and how healing it truly can be. Do yeah. you feel like that like making this record was was a part of a healing process for you? Do you feel like it had that sort of influence in your life? Yeah, it was everything. Yeah. It was everything. It was like I I started doing this alternative kind of therapy and really delving into some deep trauma. I, I've been pretty explicit about the trauma I've experienced. Mm-hmm. I released a collection of poems last year called Shame is an Ocean I Swim Across. And in that, I'm just I'm I'm pretty seasoned at talking about my sexual assault or child abuse or, you know, being molested by my dad. Like I, I talk about these things and, you know, even in my like pop music and I release secrets like my first line of the song is I have bipolar disorder. Like I'm used to talking about it. I've got bipolar disorder. But there's something different about producing an album of songs where I'm saying those things because it's like. It's like the expression is also in the sound mm-hmm. and the reverb choices and the snare and it feels like a full expression of myself through everything. And it was so healing in a way that I didn't I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting this to happen. Honestly, like the album's been pretty much done for like a year and I just haven't been able to let go of it because I'm scared. Yeah. And I'm scared of the reception. I'm scared of potentially triggering somebody else i'm i'm scared of triggering myself i'm i don't i just don't know what happens next so i'm trying to put all these sort of boundaries and and things in place so i can feel safe as i as i move move through it one two three four can't find a reason to get out of bed but you lie in next to me it's not your fault one, two, earthquake All of the people inside of my brain I'll divide it And fighting say get over it And shame is an ocean I swim across Well, being vulnerable is very cool and yeah. very healing. I, you know, and speaking of music heals, we do days here on KEXP um, around different topics, just like what you were talking about. Uh, we did we do a one on addiction. Oh, I yeah. am a former addict, or yeah. I am an addict in recovery, yeah. and I, I feel like it really helps. Like being so honest yeah. and so open is really important yeah. in any healing process. Yeah. So I really, I'm there with you. Thank you I for really sharing. Am. That. Yeah, of course. You can.
Also, I think you, you put this out independently. Is that yes, correct? Yeah. So you left your record label? Yes. Is that what I heard? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How, how's that sort of influenced the process and, and how's it made it different? Like what, what changed with that? What made you decide on doing that? Tell me a little more. Well, I pitched this album. I was on I was on a major label for for like two or three. I don't know the longest two years of my life. <laughs> but I I um it served a great purpose. It did it did what it was supposed to do, and I feel like I needed to sign to a major label to know what that felt like. I needed I need all the experiences so I can know what I don't want and what I do want. And I pitched this album to them and they loved it, but they said that it wasn't pop, you know, and they didn't really know what to do with it. And the only way that we could move forward is if I started working with like a big name music producer, Mm -hmm. which generally means like a straight white cis guy, like, yeah, translating my voice to lots of listeners. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to do it again. I felt like I had already made that album. I made that album that... it was it was my album, but it was a collab. It was a collaboration album. It was with three other writers. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like the statement I wanted to make or my voice. And um, I made this album in Squim, Washington. Ooh! So and I just I love it out there. My yeah. friend, my friend Jeremy Case has a studio out there, and um, so he engineered this record and also helped me um, help me learn how to produce. I didn't know how to use any sort of program before, and I kind of went in really green and I felt like a creative producer but I didn't know how to touch the buttons Mm -hmm. Um, and now I know how to touch all the buttons you know what I have like one more question for you okay why does music matter to you why does it matter in your life uh, music's the reason I'm alive. I really, I think there are some people that, you know, they write music because they love the craft and they want to make the best song possible. And I've been in, I've been in modes like that before, especially if I'm getting hired from a client to like write a song for something. But I'm of the mind that the best music comes from when it's like burning inside of you, and you're gonna die if you don't say this thing. Yeah, and. I started writing songs when I was four years old when my, you know, like growing up in an abusive home, I'd run to my room and play on my Casio keyboard and it was like a form of self-soothing. I would go, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. And I just kept doing that and I still do that. So like music as a form of survival, it is, it's like, if I couldn't do it, I would break. Oh, 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 oh. That was Mary Lambert speaking with KEXP DJ Evie Cook. A featured voice you'll hear on Mary Lambert's album is our next guest, Hollis Longwear. She just put out her first single as a solo artist. The song was actually produced by Mary Lambert. It's called Sedative. It's unsettling, settling. Take it all, swallow it. Like Lambert, Hollis Wongware has also collaborated with Macklemore. You might recognize her voice featured on Macklemore's song, White Walls. He's also in the band, The Flavor Blue. 
and she performed over the weekend as part of TEDx Seattle. Here was our conversation we recorded ahead of the performance. So this isn't your first appearance at, at a TEDx event in Seattle. Um, you're actually a speaker at a TEDx event at the University of Washington a few years ago. And in it, you talked about your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an immigrant from China who started her own restaurant. And you talked about how her hustle of kind of being in the restaurant industry inspired kind of what you do or the way that you approach things in the music world. Can you talk about the lessons that you've learned from your mother and how you've used those lessons um, within your career path? Totally. So, yeah, my mom's originally from Hong Kong, and she immigrated here when she was 19 by herself. Um, She basically forged this life for herself um, and saw a vision for herself that was greater than you know, the lot that she had been given and her moxie and her confidence and her perseverance in the world is something that's always really inspired me. Um, Even when I was pursuing my artistic path, sometimes I felt like I was kind of like at odds with her determination. Like I almost felt like me pursuing my music or pursuing art was like kind of like too soft or it like wasn't ambitious enough. And I kind of wasn't doing honor to um, this kind of living legacy that she was carving out for me to literally exist and to and to kind of move in her honor and in her legacy. So I think that I had to kind of take a step back and realize that the groundwork that she laid as an entrepreneur, because she owned a Chinese restaurant while I was growing up, and all of that, which she did as an entrepreneur, um, really battling the odds as a first-generation American, really is what is also the foundation for me in my art practice and as an artist. And even though I think when I was growing up, I saw those things as diametrically opposed, what I realized is that in my way, through my art, I am walking in her path and continuing her legacy. Um, And she, you know, it's been a journey, but I think ultimately she's come around to really understanding that I'm doing what I'm most passionate about um, and also understanding that I'm soaking up a lot of wisdom from what she showed me while I was growing up. Um, And yeah, her resilience and her tenacity and her courage in really believing in herself um, when the world wasn't necessarily telling her that she was somebody to be reckoned with. Um, so I, yeah, I gather a lot of insight from that. Um, and, you know, what I do now as an artist, I think it's easy to feel kind of like discouraged or like lost or overwhelmed. And I think that I always try to tap back into her strength um, and just thinking about, you know, like my understanding that like my worth as an artist is stems from from the incredible courage that she demonstrated throughout her life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so you grew up uh, kind of in the Bay Area in California, mm-hmm. and then you moved to Seattle for college. Yeah, I did. And then once you got here, you got into kind of spoken word, slam poetry quite a bit, which eventually transitioned into music. You, you've once said that that poetry can mobilize and create change. How have you seen that in your life? I think poetry is really the most vulnerable and powerful expression that we see 
on stage, like it's there's no accoutrement, there's no backtrack, there's no costumes. It's really just a person and their story and a microphone and their voice, and that's it. And for me as a songwriter, I really see myself as just practicing poetry through music. And I think that all songwriters and all musicians, you know, if they're working with lyricism, they are essentially poets. Um, but I love returning and staying connected to the poetry community. Um, and it's a place that I that I love to return to. And I'm grateful that I have. I'm speaking with Hollis Wongware, who has her first solo album coming out in the new year. And she just released a single off that album called Sedative. One of the songs that you'll be performing as part of TEDx Seattle is another song off of that EP called All My Weight. Can you talk about what that song is about? So the first two lines of that song, All My Way, are, I feel paralyzed by my phone these days. Feels like all I can do is scroll. Oh, so terrified by the news these days. I get rigid and hopeless and numb. I feel paralyzed by my phone these days. Feels like all I can do is scroll. Oh, so terrified of the news these days. I get rigid and hopeless. And I think it's a very explicit (laughs) uh, description of the way that I have felt over the last few years. Um, I think that the current state of affairs, like, you know, we're getting bombarded with impeachment hearing conversation, like left and right, like all we can do is kind of be mired in the insanity and everything is in crisis. Everything is in flux. It's feels hard to be able to even focus and fix your eyes on what's really happening. And it's easier to just kind of like cave and go inside and pretend like nothing's happening and just be in our little cozy corner of the world. But I think for me, all my weight is about trying to find strength in despair and feeling like oftentimes one person can't do anything to stop the chaos from continuing to swirl and diving deeper into the fray. Um, and so that song that I'll be performing is really just like reckoning with that feeling of overwhelm, of feeling helpless, of feeling crushed by the weight of it all, um, and finding a way through. You have another song that you'll perform today as part of TEDx Seattle, but in between those songs, mm-hmm. I understand you're going to do some sort of poetry in between them to kind of... Yeah, I'm calling them like poetic interludes that I'm kind of using to weave uh, the songs together. Can you do like some sort of presentation for us <laughs> sure, to that extent? I, sure, I can break off a little a little interlude that, um, I've, that I will be uh, performing on stage today. They say we have never been so divided. We know that this is by design. It starts with our attention, the fissure and the scatter, our heartstrings pulled tight until we are strung out, momentum tangled, circulation pinched. They say, do not give in to despair. Do not be swallowed by the overwhelm, but the wider our eyes open, the more helpless it all seems. Maybe I shouldn't say all that. Maybe I should speak more boldly than I feel, say that I wholeheartedly believe that the arc of justice bends despite it all to a place where we can all be free. But belief is fickle and flickering, and I've burned through so many matches trying to keep the flame alive. And then I perform all my weight. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's Hollis Wong, where she's performing uh, today as part of TEDx Seattle. Her new solo album, Half Life, will be released in the new year. Hollis, thanks so much for chatting today. Thank you so much for having me. This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. Thanksgiving is just around the corner, so this week we ask listeners what is a band they are thankful for. My name is Stacy. I live in Silverdale, Washington. This year and every year, I'm pretty much thankful for Depeche Mode. They have been a big part of my life since I was 12. And I first heard People Are People back then, and I was hooked pretty, pretty instantly. Uh, a few years later, when I was about 16, I really became aware that I was dealing with depression. And the song, But Not Tonight, just it really struck me one day listening to it when I was in one of my down moods. And there was something about it at that particular time that really hit the right chord with me. And it made me feel better. And it happened again, and it happened again. I would have these moods, I would listen to it, and I would feel better. Not always, but usually. As I've gotten older, my dark days have become less and less and fewer and fewer, but that song is something that will still always just be a part of me. My name is Melissa, and I'm from Tacoma, Washington, and the artist I'm thankful for is Robin Hitchcock. My husband, Paul, was super passionate about music, and his collection was staggering. One of his favorites, though, was Robin. He told me this on our second or third date, I think. I think he fell in love with me on the spot when I made reference to the Soft Boys. Side note for listeners, uh, the fact that the Soft Boys was one of Robin Hitchcock's bands is about all I knew about them, but it worked. At some point, Paul started an email correspondence with Robin. This started after Paul was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, which is when the things he valued in life came into greater focus and music was the backbone of his survival strategy. At one point, I even took a photo of Paul recreating Robin's 2017 album cover where he's holding a white cat with our own cat, Carl. He sent this to him. I finally got to experience Robin live at the Fremont Abbey a couple years ago, and he posed for a photo with Paul and our friend Ian Jones. He's wearing the shirt that he wears on the album cover with the cat. Paul died in August 2018, and I'm thankful to Robin Hitchcock for being warm and kind when he didn't have to be, and allowing Paul to feel the kind of connection that he lived for. My name is Nick, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I wanted to thank Washington's own Slater Kinney on behalf of my late sister, Kaylee. Uh, in the early to mid-2000s, my sister essentially worshipped uh, Slater Kinney. 
uh, they were able to provide an, an escape for us. She really struggled with her sexuality, her gender identity, and depression, all in a very, very conservative part of Georgia. Uh, they provided her with such a refuge in um, truly some of her darkest days. Uh, unfortunately, my sister lost her battle with depression on October 24th, 2006, but my family decided to um, bury my sister in a signed Slater Kenny t-shirt as it was uh, her most prized possession. So I know that if she was alive today, she'd be elated uh, if she had the chance to talk to them and thank them. Um, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to do that on her behalf and express how much of a truly, genuinely significant impact they played in her life. Thanks to everyone for sharing your story. And I am so thankful for listeners. You make what I do possible. Special thanks to B. Freezy and Ben Disco Stewart for writing a review of Sound and Vision on Apple Podcasts recently. That means a lot. By writing a review, subscribing, and rating this podcast, it lets other people know that this podcast exists and we want to reach more ears. You can help make that possible by taking a minute of your time and subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast now. And if you are feeling extra giving and thankful and generous, KEXP would love to see a one-time $20 donation to this podcast. You can do that at kexp.org slash sound. And speaking of being thankful, I have more people to thank today. Thanks to our contributors this show, Cheryl Waters and Evie Cook, with production assistance by Bailey Egan and Hans Anderson. Shout out to the True Loves who provide the theme music we are listening to right now. If you are local and want to catch them live, they'll be playing two shows at the Clockout Lounge in Seattle this weekend. All right, let's wrap up the show today with our final question. Why does music matter? Here's Molly Sides and Whitney Petty of Thunder Pussy. Music is a language. And music is art. Art is language, just like dance. Music's movement. Music matters because I truly believe it connects us all. It's a way of communicating. It's a conversation. It is. It's like it moves a- us along. Like a, you know, like the ether that you can move through to connect with other people, almost because it is a universal language, like math. And I guess some people claim that they're not into music. There are people out there that are like, oh, I don't really listen to music, which I don't get. <laughs> I believe that too. When people say I can't dance, I go, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. That's in your bones. It's in there. But I think music is in there. I think it's all around us all the time. I mean, all we do as musicians and songwriters is just kind of channel what's out there. I feel like really. So I think music is this beautiful mystery, kind of like, where do you go when you die? I feel mystery like music is language. that powerful and that um, that gorgeous. And you could you could think about it forever or not, just like, where do we go when we die? You know, <laughs> so I, I think music is just the coolest. I will be a musician until I die.